This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm joined by Trav. I'm Drew. And I'm Trav. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. As always, we are here today to talk about 80s and 90s media. Trav, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent today, Drew. Enjoying our day off, as I yeah. assume you are as well. Absolutely. a day off, Any day off is a good day off. Yeah, and kind of getting into the Christmas zone early with our homework assignment. <laughs> you know here. it. There's no better zone than the Christmas zone. No, Christmas is amazing. (laughs) I hear it's your favorite holiday. It is easily my favorite holiday. Close second Halloween, but we've already said that. Right, right. (laughs) Close second Halloween. Um, You know, I haven't asked you in a while, how's the new house? Oh, man, the house is amazing. The neighborhood's awesome. Having a garage is awesome. (laughs) The little things. Just the little things. A dishwasher, everything. It's really awesome. Not sharing a wall with somebody. Not sharing a wall with somebody. (laughs) Oh, my God. Any uh, loud neighbors yet? Nope. Are you the loud neighbor then? I I hope not. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) No, I don't think you are the loud neighbor. No, it's a nice, quiet neighborhood. That's great. That's great. That's great. Um, I'm doing great, too. Did you happen to see what I have on my wall over there? That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I recently won at an auction, a charity auction, a uh, signed uh, uh, Mike Tyson's punch out print. So it's got Mike Tyson and Lil Mac on it and it's signed by Mike Tyson. So that's pretty cool. That's was, super uh, cool. Well worth the money spent on it for a good cause. It was a, a woman that had lymphoma and it was a benef- benefit for her medical bills. So that's really good. It was fun to buy and I'm glad to have it. I've seen it before at other silent auctions and I've always like... I'm like, I should put a bid on that. It looks cool. I want to get it. And then I finally did it this time. So, And I got it. I was the only one that bid on it. So I got it for the base price. So that's nice. good. That's good. That's good. Um, you know, before we get into it, I guess, I want to tell you about our sources. I use articles from Time.com, specifically an article by Megan Mikulski, ScreenRant.com, uh, an article by Mike McGranahan, and ThePioneerWoman.com. Yep, I found an article about Home Alone on thepioneerwoman.com <laughs> by Kelly O'Sullivan, insider.com, Marilyn La Genoise, and Fiona Clare, and then on mentalfloss.com, an article by Jennifer Wood. Um, you want to talk about some Home Alone video games for a second, Trev? Yeah, let's hear it. Well, you know, Home Alone was like a cultural phenomenon at the time, so it had video games across the gambit. But for me, the most popular ones that I had seen or played were the ones from the NES, the SNES, the Sega, and the Game Boy. Um, The only one that I really played extensively was the one for the Game Boy, because that's the one that I owned. Um, All of the games, they revolve around collecting valuables and avoiding the wet bandits, right? So, I mean, it's pretty easy peasy for what you would do in that game. Yeah. Uh, The Game Boy one doesn't have a time limit, but the other ones always have like a 20-minute to 30-minute time limit. And I remember that time limit on the NES one being a pain in the butt, because you only had 20 minutes to complete everything. Um, Specifically with the Game Boy version, the one that I owned and played the most... Um, It really reminds me of my trips to Fargo, because I've said before that my family is originally from the Fargo-Moorhead area, and we would travel back there, the five-hour drive with my sister and I and my parents, um, you know, four to five times a year, so I got plenty of Game Boy time in that car, because there wasn't anything else to do besides Game Boy or my Michael Jackson Dangerous cassette tape, so that (laughs) was about it. Um, It's... It's a lot of fun to play. I did plug it into my uh, Super Game Boy for my Super Nintendo and sat down with it a little bit today. Um, it's hard and ambiguous, like a lot of games from the era, but it was always a lot of fun, and it had all the music in it, so that's a great plus for a game like that. Definitely. And for some reason, like 
symphony or like orcre- orche- orchestral music always transferred pretty well to that 8-bit sound. Yeah. It worked well, and it was always good and always iconic. Gotta love that. Gotta love that. Um, you know, uh, before we kind of get into this, um, everybody should go check out the movies that made us on Netflix because it really, if you haven't already, because you should have already. Yeah. Um, it really does a, an awesome deep dive on a lot of facts and some of the facts that we're going to talk about too in this podcast. So go check that out. Um, do you know about the weird connection that Friends has to Home Alone? I don't, but I want to hear it. I got the Friends connection today. <laughs> um, Monica and Chandler buy a house in the suburbs during the final season of the sitcom, correct? Yep. Um, viewers picked up that the view from their windows are the houses across the street from Kevin's house in Home Alone. I can't believe I never noticed that. <laughs> I feel ashamed. <laughs> so according to Mental Floss, the friend set designers <laughs> used some of the stock footage from the movie to recreate the background. So in other words, Monica and Chandler appear to have bought the McAllister's house. <laughs> That's super cool. Hey, I came with the friends The friends this time. It's about time. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> but I like that. Now I'm definitely going to have to pay attention to that next time I watch through. I've definitely never seen that episode, though, either, because I'm not a big friends guy. Yeah. Um, do you have anything that uh, you want to talk about with Home Alone before we get to the homework review? Mm, I don't think so. Nothing with Home Alone, but I do want to do another quick mention to check out the Triple Falls podcast. Oh, yes. Thank you. dudes who were super awesome and had us on their podcast to help promote our podcast. And I find out that another movie podcast that I found out from Triple Falls called Room Tone has now mentioned us in their podcast. So... I sadly have not listened to any of their podcasts yet, but I want to make an early mention to Room Tone. From what I know about it, from what you've told me, it sounds like a lot of fun. Seems like a cool podcast. Definitely. So if you're kind like... of on the same track as us, uh, reading their description, they're a little less family friendly. If you do consider us family friendly, yeah, we try <laughs> to be. We throw try in the bleeps. <laughs> yeah, at least it's bleeped out, I guess, right? <laughs> but yeah, definitely check out Room Tone and Triple Falls if you have not yet. Yeah, and I'll just say thanks, Triple Falls, and thanks, Room Tone. That's really cool. We appreciate any of that type of cross promotion, and we're glad to do the same for you. Um, so I guess it's homework review time. Let's do it. Home Alone. It was released November 10th, 1990 in Chicago. November 16th, 1990 in the United States um, overall. It was directed by Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus was supposed to direct a different Christmas Christmas classic, Christmas Vacation, right? Uh, Columbus, however, called John Hughes, uh, who wrote Christmas Vacation, to tell him that he couldn't work with Chevy Chase. Um, I've heard that quite a bit about Chevy Chase. That's crazy. (laughs) Um, And Columbus left the film after that. He's like, I can't do this. I'm out. Um, Two weeks later, though, Columbus got two scripts from Hughes. One of the scripts was Home Alone. I don't know what the other one was. But (laughs) Home Alone had a note on it saying that he wanted Columbus to direct it. So that's pretty cool. So that's how we got that one. Nice. Um, Home Alone was written and produced by John Hughes. John Hughes wrote the script for Home Alone in less than 10 days. That's kind of surprising. It is surprising. Holy cow. And he also uh, wrote this script after he got an idea from his own anxiety um, of a his own anxiety before a trip to Europe. Where he thought he was going to forget a kid. <laughs> exactly. <or something. laughs> I think he said something like he made all these types of lists of everything that he, he needed to bring with. And on that list, kids was on that list also. <laughs> so. uh, that's pretty cool. John Hughes uh, taking uh, real life experiences and making them into one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Home Alone is starring Macaulay Culkin as Kevin McAllister, Joe Pesci as Harry Lime, 
Um, Robert De Niro and John Lovitz were considered for that role. That's pretty funny. Uh, could you have seen uh, Robert De Niro doing that movie? I could have. Like, I think of him with Joe Pesci, like in the same breath. I think of right. those two. Um, John Lovitz, not so much. <laughs> not I think so he's hilarious, but I, I, he's more of the Marv. Like, yes. Wouldn't have it been like those two in place of the two that were already picked, or was it for? No, that ha- that was both for Harry Lyme's character oh, for oh, Joe okay. Pesci's character. Um, yeah, that one I can't see. John but. Lovitz would have had, would have probably taken a completely different route with the completely character. different. It would have been way more goofy, more yeah. funny, maybe. Right. I don't know. It would two have been Marvs. a com- complete. It would have been two Marvs, and then maybe is a reason why he did not get the role because right. it would have been two of the same person. Speaking of Marv, Daniel Stern stars as Marv M U R C H U I N S Merchants. Yeah, Marv Merchants. My favorite. And John Hurd as Peter McAllister and Catherine O'Hare as Kate McAllister. All right. Shall we break it down? Let's break it down. All right. Let's do it. Before we break it down, do you think anybody listening right now watched it for the first time? I would bet somebody out there it was a first time watch. One of our international listeners or something? Very well could be one of our international listeners. It's funny that you actually bring that up. Uh, This movie's a really big deal in Poland, apparently. That's awesome. They uh, played on Christmas Eve. Maybe it was Christmas Day. Uh, Much like... uh, um, a Christmas story gets played here oh, for sure. like a 24-hour span, like one after another. Nice. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to that happening with Home Alone here. Yeah, I wouldn't I, be that's to what that. I actually do every year. <laughs> Christmas Eve, I watch this one, and Christmas Day, I watch number two. There you go. Do you ever watch Christmas Story on Christmas? No. Nope. Are you a Christmas Story fan? I think I've seen it once. Oh, I love that movie. You should watch it more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as soon as this movie opens up, we get that almost spooky music right it's mm-hmm. almost a suspense horror story feeling. kind of i get harry potter vibes yeah that. that's a good point harry potter vibes that's a really good way to put it um any way you look at it though john williams is a genius i love yeah. his score in this oh, movie it's amazing i absolutely love it uh, you get the camera pulling back to reveal the home alone logo the words home alone come together and the light pops on Pure goosebumps. Pure goosebumps. <laughs> Pure goosebumps. Every, <laughs> Every time. time. Every time. It's so that's like super duper iconic and is recreated in many of the video games also. Yeah. Recreated everywhere, I would assume. Uh, so this is the night before the McAllister clan leaves for France. It's very busy. The phone's ringing. We got the cop in the foyer, who happens to be Harry. Happens to be Harry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then we get a quick look at Peter and Kate's bedroom. Enter Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) This scene establishes that Kevin is a bit of a problem child. Oh, definitely. Just right off the bat, Kevin is annoying. (laughs) He's a potential future troubled teen. Troubled teen. (laughs) Uh, If you're listening out there, Phantom, that's one drink. (laughs) He texted me and said that he should have turned that episode into a drinking game. Every time we said troubled teens, that's a drink. Um, He's Kevin's mostly sad that Kevin won't let him or Frank won't let him watch a movie. Yeah. It's not even rated R. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it must be really bad then if Frank will if let Frank you. Frank will let you watch it. Yeah, exactly. We also find out that it's Peter's brother, Frank. So they're all McAllisters in this household. Yep. All of them are McAllisters, and they're going to go see uh, Frank and Peter's brother, Rob. Um, Rob, I'm assuming, is the middle child, right? Must be. Peter's the youngest, and Frank is the oldest. Yeah. Because they seem like they have a really large age age gap, and even Peter. Is like, uh, Frank. Frank is such a wiener. <laughs> he is a wiener. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But after we find out, after uh, Kate gets off that phone, we find out that Kevin's been playing in the garage with the glue gun again. Yeah, I didn't burn the place down. <laughs> Just making ornaments out of his fish hooks. Yeah, yeah. The new ones? Yeah, of course the new ones. He doesn't <laughs> want to deal with dry worm guts. Peter kicks Kevin out of the bedroom, and Kevin is told that he needs to pack his own suitcase. Pack my own suitcase? Yeah. Like, that's the biggest, <laughs> most death-defying, difficult task he's ever had in his life. Back in the hustle and bustle of the house, we get Harry at the bottom of the stairs. Excuse me, miss, are your parents around? Yeah, but they don't live here. My par- And then he asks the next, uh, the next woman, my parents live in France. And then he asks uh, a few other questions, and then we find out that it's all kids, uh, no parents. It's probably a fancy orphanage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, then we get Kevin, who's looking for help uh, from his siblings, and he just basically gets told tough. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and told to pack toilet paper and water. <laughs> yeah, figure it out, dude. Do you get that reference, toilet paper and water? Is it a reference to something? I, they, no, I don't. I don't get that reference either. Like, why would Buzz and the other brother from Pete and Pete tell him to pack toilet paper and water? I don't get that either. And, like, is he just a sloppy mess who wears the same clothes anyway, so just make sure you bring... Water kind of makes sense, but the TP, I don't get that reference. I don't get it either, but I do like that you bring up Pete and Pete, because that's what I always think of with that. We should do an episode on Pete and Pete. That would be cool. Um, No one is uh, being any help to Kevin. They're just throwing uh, uh, insults at him. Yeah. Be a very tough household to grow up in. Very tough household. (laughs) I honestly can't believe it. Not a single sibling or parent really gives a crap about him. No, it doesn't seem that way, at least. (laughs) Doesn't seem that way. I do have to say John Hughes does a good job of like making the whole family seem not like flat characters, even though we barely talk to some of them. They still seem like they have a lot of depth and that they all have like these inside jokes and the families, you know, it's like this certain status in their family that he's aspiring for. Yeah. They're all just like, we don't have time for you. Thanks, John. R.I.P. Then we get the famous scene with uh, Kevin and his sister. Um, she basically says to him, you know, mom is going to pack your suitcase for you. And then, uh, you're what the French call les incompetents. <laughs> <laughs> and then PS, uh, you have to sleep with Fuller. If he has something to drink, he'll wet the bed. This happens to be the last straw for Kevin. Yeah. Right? And he runs upstairs and he's stomping. I'm living alone. I'm living alone. <laughs> and then even Harry down at the bottom of the stairs is like, geez, what's up with that kid? Yeah, right. <laughs> Kevin does make his way into Buzz's room, though. Um, well, Kevin doesn't make his way into Buzz's room quite yet, but we see Buzz and his cousin. Uh, I'm assuming Frank's oldest son. Yeah. I don't I don't think we ever catch his name in the movie. And I don't I think so either. I didn't look it up to see what his name was, but um, it's Frank's oldest son, I'm assuming. Um, and Buzz asks him, uh, is it true that French babes don't shave their pits? <laughs> <laughs> Some don't. And then the look on Buzz's face is pretty priceless. Yeah. It's a, like a combo platter of disgust and intrigue. He's like, ooh, but There's do, new I, beaches, do right? I like that? <laughs> Not in the winter, Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> but then finally, Ken, Kevin will uh, enter the scene, and uh, he wants to sleep in Buzz's room. And what does Buzz say? I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Buzz. I can't believe that that actor didn't have uh, more roles in the 90s. He does a really good job in this movie. Yeah. He, I really like him in this movie. Yeah, you would think that he would have got more after that. I thought the same. He is in a movie with uh, uh, Zach Galifianakis and, uh, man, I wish I could remember her name right now, SNL, Bridesmaids. Uh, Kristen Wiig. Uh, Kristen Wiig, where they rob a bank. They rob a 
they rob an armored armored car, and it's based on a true story. And uh, the the actor that played Buzz is in that movie also. And I was like, hey, it's Buzz. Nice. It's a pretty funny movie. I don't remember the name of it, so it didn't leave much of an impression on me. Look it up. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> uh, but then they hear old man Marley outside shoveling that sidewalk. Uh, check it out. Old man Marley, the South Bend shovel slayer. He murdered his wife and family and half the people on this block. They never found the bodies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he murdered a whole bunch of people and he's been uh, living in the neighborhood since 1958, apparently. Uh, yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you know? He puts his victims in the garbage can full of salt. The salt turns the bodies into mummies. Mummies. <laughs> <laughs> Kids are afraid of mummies. <laughs> oh, yeah, apparently. At least Kevin is. Kevin's afraid of mummies. <laughs> Um, Old Man Marley wasn't originally in the movie at all. Oh, really? Yeah, he wasn't in the movie at all. Hughes added the character, whose name is a nod to Charles Dickens, a Christmas character, or Christmas Carol, excuse me. Um, Columbus suggested that the story could use some more heart, and so that's how Marley made it into the movie. And all the heart, except for the very end, I suppose... Uh, Catherine O'Hare has a lot of heart after she's done being a really mean mom to him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but most of the heart comes from Marley. It um, does come from, from Marley. Him. Yeah. Old man Marley. Um, then we get the pizza guy. He smashes into that lawn jockey. That's the first time it gets knocked First out. time. <laughs> and then we see Harry's getting nowhere with the youngest of Frank's kids. And you know the boy is Kieran Culkin, right? Macaulay Culkin's little brother. Really? Yeah, that's Kieran Culkin. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's kind of neat. Um, and then the pizza guy says, that's one hundred and twenty two fifty. Which, <laughs> oh man, can you imagine that many pizzas for one hundred twenty two fifty now? I was, <laughs> I was just thinking, I mean, he does the math later. Ten pizzas for 12 bucks plus tip. I mean, yeah. it's like, that's like, that would be like $225 today, <laughs> yeah, maybe, seriously. maybe if you're lucky. But, uh, uh, Harry says, not for me, kid. I don't live here. Um, Frank comes down and grabs those pizzas. Uh, no money from Frank, though. No, nope. <laughs> <My> brother. <laughs> it's my brother's house. He'll take care of it. <laughs> um, down comes Peter, and uh, he and Harry have a bit of a chat about the house. Lots of burglaries in the neighborhood over the holidays. And Peter says, we've got automatic timers, uh, locks for our doors. That's about as well as anybody can do these days, mm-hmm. right? Um, Buzz and Peter leave on that note and head to the kitchen for some pizza. Pizza. Dinner with the McAllisters. Everyone's chowing down. Um, I hope everybody's drinking milk. (laughs) (laughs) That's something that uh, my mom would have said before we had uh, headed to Fargo for like two weeks in the middle of the winter. Did you eat all the stuff in the fridge? Did you drink the milk? Don't open that up. We're leaving for two weeks. Uh, honey, the pizza boy needs one hundred and twenty-two fifty plus tip for pizza. For pizza, <laughs> Frank, you've got some money. Travelers checks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Frank! God, Frank! Frank. <laughs> what an older brother! What an older brother for sure. Uh, Kevin finally makes it down the stairs and into the kitchen. Uh, did anyone order me a plain cheese? Well, yeah, we did. But if you want, if you want any, somebody's gonna have to barf it all up. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just weird to me because unless Buzz ate it all, do that many of those kids even like cheese? He seems like the only one who's a jerk enough to eat it in spite 
of Kevin. Well, we didn't see the piece of pizza that he was jamming into his mouth at the beginning of that scene. Right. But I'd have to assume it's the last piece of cheese of pizza. Cheese, but I can't believe the rest of them ate half a cheese, presumably, <laughs> or a whole cheese pizza that Whole fast, cheese but. pizza. And, you know, and from the time that Frank takes the pizzas to the time that everybody is served, everybody's eating their food. It's like under a minute. Yeah. So 15 people all served themselves pizza and drinks in under a minute and <laughs> ate a whole pizza. <laughs> and ate a whole pizza. Just the cheese. Uh, At that point, you would assume that family orders more than one cheese pizza. I would have to assume so. But it's still funny because yeah. it leads to... Everyone being pissed at Kevin. Exactly. Well, yeah, because Kevin gets super pissed off and uh, charges Buzz and then knocks all that milk all over everything. And uh, uh, Kevin's uh, plane ticket gets swept into the garbage. Yeah. Um, I didn't notice that for years and years and years and years until somebody pointed it out to me. That was like, hey, Kevin's ticket's in the garbage. Yeah. I, was like, oh. <laughs> I noticed a ticket went in there. But then again, watching it today, I was thinking... Whose ticket is that? But now, obviously, that you say that, of course, that's Kevin's. And I th- if it was anyone else's, they wouldn't have gotten on the plane. Right. And I would have to assume his passport's in there also. Because it said that the the passports and the tickets got covered in milk. Um, if you if you do watch that scene, you can see Kevin's name on the ticket. Oh, okay. It's just for a split second, like, as Peter's, like sweeping everything up you can see that it says kevin on it it might Mm -hmm. be when he tosses it in the garbage but you do see kevin's name on it um but yeah then we get the famous line look what you did you little jerk you little Uh jerk (laughs) say good night kevin good night kevin (laughs) (laughs) uh buzz is partially at fault correct obviously yeah like how was he not punished one bit whatsoever for antagonizing the crap out of him like regurgitating his pizza out in front of the whole family. You think the mom doesn't care about that at all? Right. I don't know. He would have to have been being the oldest of the siblings. Well, yes, he's the oldest of the McAllister siblings of Peter and uh, Kate's kids. He would, you would think that he would have been held to like a pretty high standard, right? Something. (laughs) Something higher than what he was held to. That's for sure. (laughs) I would think so. Um, But it's more just to what pin the whole family against Kevin right away. Yes, yes, definitely is. Definitely is. Um, With Kate leading Kevin up the stairs, the pizza guy finally gets paid. Nice tip. Thanks a lot. (laughs) I mean, he really means it that time. He just says it kind of weird. I'm like thinking when he says it, I'm like, did you actually mean thanks a lot? And I think he did. But it was just like he just said it kind of odd. I was like, "Eh, all right. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable with pizza delivery people talking like that in general <laughs> like, don't tell me about how good of a tip it was or not i don't care if it was awesome and just keep that to yourself keep that to yourself get out of here um harry also finds out uh from also finds out that the McAllisters are leaving tomorrow Perfect. um kevin and kate do head to the attic get upstairs I am upstairs, dummy. Dummy. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. That's a definite, all right, I'm glad you're almost in your room because that's where you're going. Kevin does feign some remorse. I'm sorry. Yeah, by the end. I'm sorry. And I've said this to my own child. It's too late. It's too late. (laughs) Get upstairs. I don't want to see you for the rest of the night. I don't want to see you for the rest of my life. I hope you don't mean that. <laughs> yeah, once again, though, ouch. <laughs> ouch. Very ouch. You'll feel pretty bad if you woke up tomorrow and didn't have any family. Foreshadowing. Any foreshadowing. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> then say it again. I hope I never see any of you jerks again. And for the trifecta, ouch. Ouch. <laughs> 
you know, honestly, for a house that big with that many siblings, the fact that he has his own room in general is pretty crazy. Yeah, it really is. And it's kind of cool. It. It I is. mean, he's too young to appreciate it, apparently, but he's got the whole attic to himself. <laughs> <laughs> it is very cool. I even wrote down, um, Kevin, in the most kick-ass 90s movie attic ever. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's the attic that we all wish we had when right. we were kids. Um, uh, and it's some more foreshadowing being up there in the attic and being by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, we get that uh, stormy night. The wind knocks out the power and the battery back up on the alarm clock. Yeah. If you're going to say that the power went out, at least choose an alarm clock that doesn't say battery backup. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Take a close up of it. Seriously. Not a, yeah. And you just think of the no cell phone. So there's no backup alarms. No, nope, no backup alarms at all. Yes, <laughs> no backup alarms at all. Uh, the next morning, the entire house slept in, and this is arguably the most unbelievable part of the whole movie. One hundred percent. There is no way a uh, little Pepsi drinker doesn't wake up super early and try to like antagonize everybody else into waking up. Exactly. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way. One hundred percent. Growing up, it was like the grandparents are up super early, yeah. or one of the kids. Is, There's no way everyone. I could understand his parents and Wiener Frank. That's <laughs> a, but there's no way the rest stay asleep. But uh, it's uh, as uh, what's his name on Screen Rant says. So the movie can happen. <laughs> so the movie can happen. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So the movie can happen. Um, with that uh, shuttle service there, it's the second time the lawn jockey gets knocked over. Um, the nosy neighbor kid, Mitch Murphy's there. So he's from across the street from the Murphy's. <laughs> he's hilariously he is annoying. Hilar- <laughs> he's hilariously annoying. Uh, do you know the McAllisters are going to France? <laughs> do these vans get good gas mileage? Oh, kid, get out of here. <laughs> Gee, kid, hit the road. <laughs> More hustle and bustle in the house. Kate wants Heather, the oldest uh, daughter of Rob, who lives in France, uh, to get a head count. Uh, the tickets are in the microwave to dry them off, and Mitch is still being annoying. How fast does this thing go? <laughs> does it have four-wheel drive? Look, kid, I told you, don't bother me. <laughs> it's not really working. And then Mitch takes it upon himself to look through the McAllister's luggage. That's, yeah. that's what I always did when I saw my neighbors went through their luggage. Obviously. <laughs> Heather gets her head count, but uh, Mitch gets confused for Kevin, mostly because Buzz is being a dummy again and distracts her. Right. Uh... Somebody would have noticed that Kevin was not in the van. Somebody would have. Come on. If he's that much of a problem child, he right. would have been annoying everybody. Right. Somebody would have noticed that yeah, Kevin's seemingly not Seemingly in, in the first five seconds, how was Kevin not annoying one of us? Oh, we left him in the attic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so half in this van, half in the other van, and they have 45 minutes to get to, to, get to their plane. How things have changed. Yeah. Yeah. 45 minutes. There's no way you're like expected to be there. What? An hour at least early at, at least, this point? I think, I think recommendation is still two hours early before yeah. your flight. 45 <laughs> minutes from the McAllister house. From the McAllister house no. to their flight. Um, you know, I do. I, I did have experience with flights pre 9-11. And yeah. I really, I do remember just walking in and going up and getting your tickets and then walking to the gate and no security whatsoever. So it was faster. It was way faster i remember seeing like going and uh a friend of mine came back from venezuela when i was in high school and i was able to walk up to the gate wow to <laughs> just be like hey how's it going man right good to see you welcome that, back from venezuela that's awesome yeah it's just a, a, a different time for sure definitely um a phone dude gets uh, kate's attention to tell her that the phone lines are effed um she couldn't care less <laughs> couldn't care less <laughs> oh thanks slam yeah, what does that matter we're all out of here we didn't leave anybody 
And then that iconic Run Run Rudolph, right? Oh my gosh, that's uh, my favorite song in the whole movie. <laughs> it's really good. Music, the besides the score, the song choices, like the classic Christmas songs from Perfect. the 50s and 60s, Perfect. couldn't fit this movie any better than they do. 100% agree. It's goosebumps like oh, every yeah. time. Like, goosebumps right now just talking about music <laughs> in a movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they do make it to first class and all the parents are in first class. Or they do make it to the flight right. and all the parents are in first class. Ooh la la. <laughs> Without one last double check just to make sure, you know. Nope. We all made it in time. All right, let's just sit down. (laughs) Don't check on my kids. No. Nope, not one bit. Champagne, please. It's free, right? Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Wiener Frank. And then, uh, and then, uh, Kate. I hope we didn't forget anything. Yeah. At that moment, she should have realized that Kevin wasn't on the plane. Yeah. At that moment, definitely. I, I, I will let my suspension of disbelief uh, work though, and say that uh, fifteen people is a lot of people, and uh, it was really busy. I, I will let it work. It's hard to let it work sometimes, we'll let it but work. I'll let it work. Kevin finally wakes up. We see him in uh, his bedroom while in the attic, and uh, Kevin is starting to think something's up. Mom? <laughs> Buzz. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back on the plane, uh, Frank is stealing the crystal salt and pepper shakers. Put them in your purse. Put, 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 put them in your purse. <laughs> and then she just shows up right when he's having her dump them in the purse. <laughs> right. And he's obviously drunk. <laughs> Already. <laughs> Already drunk, and they haven't even left the ground yet? Yeah. If they hadn't left the ground yet, they had just left the ground. Seriously. Uh, but we're back with Kevin, and he's searching the house still. Mom, Dad, where are you guys? Uh, he makes his way downstairs, because, I mean, obviously everybody's hiding out downstairs. Obviously. <laughs> uh, the furnace is scary. Uh, what is that supposed to represent in the movie? I really don't know. It seems useless. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> And it seems like one of the least scary things in the basement. There's all the weird sewing mannequins all over the place, (laughs) half-bodied, and he's not really terrified of those or, like, the pumpkins or anything. No, it's the fireplace that's not running. That's not running. Yeah, exactly. So I don't really understand why that's in the movie, I guess. Uh, I mean, he overcomes his fear of it as it's maybe supposed to represent, like, his overall, like, fear of the whole situation, and that's what it's manifesting as, is this furnace. Seems like he's gotten a relationship with this furnace, though, and yeah. he's uh, been scared of it for a while. For a time. while, and like now he has to be the man of the house and overcome that fear. He goes next and checks. Uh, Kevin goes next and checks to see if the cars are still out that are still outside, and the cars are still here. Yeah, so that's what starts his assumption that he must have made them disappear. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and he says, "I made my family disappear." Yeah, and that first time he says that he's unsure and scared, and then he get those floating heads. Floating around him, right. insulting him, les incompetents, <laughs> look what you did, you little jerk. And then he's like, oh, I made my family disappear, <laughs> confident and excited this time. <laughs> so it's time to do some kid stuff. Oh, yeah. All that kid stuff that you would have done if you were unexpectedly home alone, right? Obviously. Jumping on the bed, Scream running around. and screaming. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Snooping in your older brother's stuff. Yeah. I was the older brother, so I'm sure I got my stuff snooped through when I wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, Buzz, I'm going through all your private stuff. You better come out and pound me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the famous Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. Woof. <laughs> Producers actually thought that uh, casting a girl in this role would just be cruel, and obviously it would be. Um, it's a boy in costume. Okay, sure. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah, it's the art director's son, and he was more than willing to volunteer and do this, so that's kind of cool, right? 
Uh, maybe cool. maybe if he would have uh, realized that the movie would become such a phenomenon, maybe he wouldn't have wanted to be the boy in drag in a major motion picture. But right. that's a pretty cool thing to uh, hang your hat on and be like, hey, that's me <laughs> yeah, forever. Right? That's that, me. That's me. Uh, <laughs> um, the chest, too, that he's going through, it's the main supply for all of his traps and everything. Yeah. yeah, like that's where he gets everything. The yeah. firecrackers, the the nudie magazine, which is kind of funny. No clothes on anybody. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> uh, Kevin spots that BB gun, though, and then we get to see that Kevin's a pretty solid marksman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know if I can do that. No, I don't think so. That scene always stuck with me. Like, man, he is good. Uh, did you ever try to recreate that scene in any way whatsoever? I feel like I did, but I don't remember ever having a pellet gun or anything like no, that. No, I used my Nerf gun. I would set up right, action yeah. figures and use my Nerf gun. For I never, sure. I was never allowed to I didn't to have, have the cool that. laundry choot thing, though. No, but, me but either. But yeah, I definitely did set stuff up on tops of chairs yep, and whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> that was one that was fun to recreate and probably was something that I recreated immediately after I oh, saw yeah. the movie the definitely. first time. <laughs> Yeah, he is a horrible example on kids. Let's yes, just say that yes. now. By the end of this movie, you're like, holy crap, he is a very troubled child. <laughs> <laughs> it really seems that way, but um, I wonder if that's the difference between growing up in a household with a single sibling yeah. or four other siblings. Right. Now it's time to do what we all did, which was to get that movie off the shelf that you probably weren't supposed to watch, but you did <laughs> while you were home alone, right? Yep. <laughs> Angels with Filthy Souls is the one that he chose to watch. Uh, you've got to the count of ten before I pump your guts full of lead. <laughs> one, two, and ten. Ten. My- um, yeah, that's all it took. <laughs> that's all it took. Uh, that is not a real movie. I don't know if you've right. seen that. <laughs> yep, we actually looked that up a couple of Christmases ago because Lauren was so appalled at how ridiculous that was. <laughs> <laughs> that is not real. Uh, it was created specifically for Home Alone, and the reason why it looks so real, like of the time, is uh, Home Alone was one of the last films to sh- shoot their movie with an old carbon arc style lighting system that was popular back in the 40s through the 60s. For Technicolor, Technicolor films, um, Columbus explained, the director explained that they used the same technique for Angels with Filthy Souls. So that's why it looks like sure. legitimate. So that's kind of cool. Um, back on the plane, uh, Kevin's scream seems to have awoken, awakened Kate. So they have that, you know, mother-son connection. Right. If you believe in that kind of thing. Uh, now it shows up. <laughs> <laughs> now it shows up. And she says, I have a terrible feeling that we didn't do something. Did I turn off the coffee? Did you lock up? Did you close the garage? That's it. That's it. That's not it. That is not it, Peter. <laughs> what else could we be forgetting? Kevin! Kevin! <laughs> And then next, we see Kevin perched at the top of the stairs, ready to slide down those stairs and head right out that front door. So he makes it four hours into being home alone and uh, kills himself before he even makes it out the front door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <right>? Basically. <laughs> Roll credits. Roll credits. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so like the camera angle they use, it just is like he's not making it out that front door. There There's is no, no way. No way. Every time I look at that, I'm trying to line it up like, way does he have enough room to turn left at the end of that no way with like the oldest sled uh, toboggan whatever the heck that yeah. thing is There's in the world no way that he makes it out that front door no he's either dead or seriously injured <laughs> <laughs> now when the cops go to check up on him he is dead <laughs> the at door, the front door and it is open <laughs> doors wide open and there's a dead child on the ground 
Um, we're now back on the plane. Um, how could we do this? We forgot him. And then Frank says, uh, if it makes you feel better, I forgot my reading glasses. <laughs> Shut it, Frank. <laughs> if I said if. <laughs> and finally, uh, we get to see Harry and Marv starting to do their thing. Um, they have thoroughly cased the neighborhood. They're ready to rob everybody, even in broad daylight, which <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, they know when all the light timers are going to turn on and he goes through them and he goes 671. That one, Marv, that's the silver tuna. That's the silver tuna. <laughs> Grab your crowbar. Crowbar's up. Clink. <laughs> Uh, Kevin sleeping while watching The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, um, and Marv and Harry pull up and start slamming doors. That wakes up Kevin. Um, Harry and Marv head around back to the basement, and Kevin smartly turns on all the lights. Yep. That's a pretty smart, smart thing to do at the time. Um, and I thought you said they were supposed to be gone. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Um, that was attempt number one to take down the silver tuna, and it was a complete failure. <laughs> With the McAllisters now in Paris, uh, they head on over to those uh, pay phones. Uh, she is a desperate mother stealing a phone out yes. of another woman's hand. Um, she's trying to get everybody to make all the phone calls they possibly can. Um, we get to see Kevin again. He's hiding under his parents' bed, and he says, this is ridiculous. I can't be a wimp. I'm the man of the house. Yep. Uh, Kevin isn't afraid anymore. Unless it's old man Marley. Yeah. <laughs> and he's definitely afraid. Then he's very afraid. <laughs> Runs straight inside and uh, hides upstairs under his parents' bed. Um, I got a kick out of the fact that there was still popcorn underneath the bed. Just yep. a, a little detail that just makes the whole story more believable. Because he never cleans up after yep, himself. He never cleaned it up at all. Well, Kate finally gets the police on the phone. This is a pretty funny bit. Uh, she talks to Rose. We don't find out her name right away. Um, and uh, she wants uh, somebody to go check on Kevin. And uh, she takes this as them having a family crisis. So she hands it over to Larry in the <laughs> Family Crisis and Intervention Center. Uh, Larry, can you pick up? There's some lady on line two. Sounds kind of hyper. <laughs> so now Kate's talking to Larry. I just want somebody to go over to my house and check on my son. And then he's asking her, has he choked on something? Has he been, is he dealing with a family or friend that is has mental issues? And she's like, no, I just want somebody to go check on my son. And then he says, you want someone to go over to your house and just check on him? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but she needs to be more frantic at yes. this point because yes. if she would explain the situation that they are in another country, this would make a little more sense. And we <laughs> could give Larry a little more credit. I totally agree with you. It, it was rough. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't seem to care too much. No, he definitely doesn't. he's ready doesn't. to pass it right back off to the police. And that's what he does. Let me connect you to the police department. No! <laughs> Rose, hyper on two. <laughs> Finally, Rose acquiesces. Uh, we'll send a policeman over to your house to check things out. That policeman put in minimal effort. Very minimal effort. Seriously. There is no way, again, where if she would have just explained the situation, they would not have persisted. And said maybe, this is the police. You're okay. We're here to help you. Anything. <laughs> he just knocks and he's like, yeah, count your kids again. Yeah, what is he? He knocks on the door, rings the doorbell, and knocks on the door. Yep. Doesn't go look in a window. Doesn't go around back. N nothing. <laughs> count your kids. Count your kids again. <laughs> Uh, what a! I mean, he looked like an older gentleman. He probably was not too uh, too keen to be working so close to Christmas. That's probably what it was. <laughs> now that you say that, I guess. Uh, but we're back in the uh, airport in France, and uh, Kate's getting told that everything is booked. Uh, you name it, everything's gone. The only thing available is Friday morning. 
Um, but the the ticket the ticket lady says maybe we can get you on standby. So she goes with that, and she ends up staying in Paris, staying at the airport, uh, as Peter and the rest of the family move on to Rob's. Uh, they say their sad goodbyes to each other. Pete and Kate do. Um, I kind of expected maybe a couple of tears. Couple but of tears. No tears. No so, tears. Um, Whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, back at home with Kevin, uh, we get that famous uh, aftershave scene, which yep. is very funny. Even though in the article that I'm about to talk about, they call it cologne. I'm assuming they meant the aftershave because that's what would would hurt your skin is yeah. the alcohol and the aftershave. Um, Macaulay Culkin screaming with his hands on the cheeks is probably one of the more iconic scenes from this movie or any oh, movie yeah. in the 90s. Um, it was never intended to become that prominent. And it was basically Macaulay Culkin's mistake, or if he planned to do it, to leave his uh, hands on his cheeks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Columbus wanted Macaulay Culkin to take his hands off his cheeks and scream, you know, because that's what you probably would do. Right. Put it on your, oh, and you take your hands off, oh, yeah. my face, you know. Um, but they did a couple more takes where he did take his hands off the off his face, but they liked the one where he left his hands on his face the most because it reminded Columbus of Edward Monk's The Scream. So, I mean, you know that painting, right? Yeah, yeah I so do. That, yeah, that's it, super cool because now that you say that, that is going to be what I picture every time when I see <laughs> Macaulay Culkin doing that. So, yes, this was Culkin's idea, and it was perfect, so it stayed in the film. Um, next, we get to see Kevin destroying Buzz's room. Um, all of Buzz's life savings and a loose tarantula. So see you later, tarantula. See you later. We'll see you later. Yeah, a little foreshadowing. Uh, with Buzz's money in his pocket, it's time for Kevin to to head out. And as he leaves the front door, he notices uh, Harry and Marv's plumber truck, which was, what did it have on the side? Okay Plumbing? Or okay something? Plumbing. Yeah, okay Plumbing. I like that. Um, oh, I thought the Murphys went to Florida. Uh, then we get to see Harry and Marv actually inside the Murphys. Um, and, uh, Harry is not too pleased with the noise that Marv is making. Uh, you know, you're one of the world's greatest cat burglars, Marv. Keep it down, will ya? Seriously. <laughs> Enough tearing the crap apart just for no reason. Um, there's a very, very convenient phone call, though, while they're in the Murphy's house. Yes, there uh, is. Peter McAllister just happens to call the Murphy's home while they're in there, and, uh, he uh, lets the, the secret go that they are actually gone. Yeah, after and, the phone lines were down, they're somehow <laughs> yeah, up again. They're up after again. they just tried at the airport and couldn't get through it anymore. Anyway. You know what? I'm going to call this neighbor that just happens to be getting robbed right now. <laughs> That'll work out perfect. <laughs> and uh, Marv says, they're gone. Silver tuna tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Silver tuna. Uh, but now we get Kevin at the shop trying to buy a toothbrush, and he wants to know if that toothbrush has been approved by the American Dental Association. <laughs> and the woman behind the counter says, uh, it doesn't say. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please find out? Okay, she's thinking, I guess so. Uh, Herb, I got a question for you about a toothbrush. Uh, do you know if this toothbrush was approved by the American Dental Association? And uh, Herb uh, looks blankly at her and goes, uh... I don't know. <laughs> how the hell would I know? <laughs> but enter old man Marley, and uh, she's, he scares the crap out of Kevin, so he <laughs> runs out without paying for that toothbrush. You did notice the cut on his hand, right? Yes. Did you notice what was in his other hand? What was in his other hand? Band-Aids. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, he cut his right. hand. <laughs> I knew that he was there for Band-Aids, but yeah, yes, for some reason Band-Aids. I forgot that. 
So Kevin ditches, and the woman behind the counter says, Jimmy, stop that boy. Stop that boy. Jimmy just runs out the front door and screams shoplifter to the very convenient cop there giving a parking ticket. I think it was a parking ticket. Yeah. Uh, But now uh, Kevin's really on the run uh, away from that cop, and he uh, has the longest knee slide in cinema history. (laughs) (laughs) Eat your heart out, Kevin Bacon. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Kevin escapes, and as he's walking home, he says sadly, I'm a criminal. <laughs> yeah. He's a criminal. Yep. And I, I just, I feel like old man Marley would have paid for that situation. And we can assume that's probably what he did behind closed doors. Yeah. It's like, for some reason, I'm the scary neighbor in this neighborhood, but he's my neighbor, so I'll just pay for the toothbrush. I'll talk to him later. Yeah, that probably cost 80 cents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If 80, that much. If that cent. much. Uh, Kevin has his first real run-in with uh, uh, Harry and Marv now before he gets home. Um, so they're they're leaving the Murphys, and they're loading up their van with all the stuff that they've stolen from the Murphys. And uh, Marv is laughing as he comes to the truck and Harry wants or to the van, and Harry wants to know uh, what's so funny. And uh, <laughs> Marv doesn't say anything; he's still just kind of chuckling to himself. And uh, uh, Harry goes, "You did it again, didn't you?" Um, and obviously that means flooding the apartment flooding or the flooding, apartment. The, flooding the house. Yep. And uh, Harry wants to know, what's wrong with you? Why do you do that? And Marv says, it's our calling card. We're the wet bandits. <laughs> <laughs> and Harry says, it's sick. It's sick. <laughs> and I just, I don't see Harry allowing that to happen for more than maybe a home before he says, that's enough, Marv. <laughs> exactly. You'd think so. You would really think so. But because Harry and Marv are arguing the merits of not only robbing people, but also flooding their houses, they almost run down Kevin. Um, I'd have to assume that this shot with the van right up next to his face is one of those shots filmed in reverse, right? For sure. It, I mean, it kind of has that look. They did a good yeah. job of hiding it. Yeah. That that one and same thing with Fuller getting smashed by the chair. Yes. Yeah, those were both filmed in reverse. Right. Um, so he almost runs down. They almost run down Kevin, and uh, you get Marv saying, uh, Santa Claus, don't visit the funeral home, funeral home little buddy. <laughs> Um, and then you get a smile from Harry, and that golden tooth gives him away to Kevin. And Kevin knows now that that was the police officer, in quotation marks, right. in his uh, foyer. Foyer? Foyer. Yeah. <laughs> so then they proceed to follow him to yeah. see which house he goes in. Why couldn't they just stay in the parking or the driveway they were in and just watch? But instead they follow him. Like 20 feet behind 20 him. 20 feet behind him. He stops, notices them. And then starts walking again, and they keep creeping behind him. And then he runs like any child with a brain would do, and they're wondering why he's running. Yeah, he definitely knows something's up. Why would he run? Maybe because you are following him at two miles an hour from five feet behind him, and he's alone, and he's eight years old. he's eight years old, right? So Kevin Kevin just ditches out of there, and he finds a pretty good uh, hiding place in the manger. Um, Pretty smart thinking on his part. Definitely. Uh, So Harry and Marv pull up to the church, and uh, they can't see him, which you can see him in the frame, but you can't see his face at all. You just see the the green smock, the green cloak, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, you can't tell. You can't see him at all. Uh, And Marv says maybe he went into the church, and they both say, I ain't going in there, because they're criminals, and they feel (laughs) bad for themselves. Yeah. Um, And then... Kevin, having escaped them, is walking home now, and we get a little internal dialogue once again. When those guys come back, I'll be ready. <laughs> and we get that fun uh, rocking around the Christmas tree scene. Um, 
massively elaborate Rube Goldberg-esque setup to fool the wet bandits. Yeah, by the child who could not pack his own suitcase. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Marv and Harry do pull up and they say, we'll come back. Maybe they'll be gone tomorrow. Uh, Back in Paris now, everybody is at Rob and his wife's apartment. And this is the only time that we see Rob and his wife. You can see him in the background by the tree. Setting up the tree. Yelling at Frank for bringing up the shrimp. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Nothing like handing out shrimp, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) This is what we do. Well, I mean, he's a cheapskate, obviously. Yeah, it's not his He's clearly taking advantage of all the free stuff he can get. Um, Everyone seems pretty worried about Kevin, and rightly so. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's about time. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Kevin's sister does ask Buzz, though, you're not worried at all about Kevin? And Buzz says, why should I be? He's acted like a little jerk one too many times, and this time it caught him in the butt. (laughs) And then uh, his sister says again, he's so little and helpless. Don't you think he's flipped out? Uh, The little trout could use a couple of days in the real world. So you're not worried at all that something horrible could happen to him? No, for three reasons. (laughs) A, I'm not that lucky. (laughs) <laughs> Two, we have smoke detec- detectors. And D, we live on the most boring street in the United States of America where nothing remotely dangerous will ever happen. Period. <laughs> Period. Just great dialogue by Buzz. Oh, uh, very, very funny. And I try to always do that too if the situation arises where I like, we'll say A, 2, and D. A, I, I try two, to do that. And D. <laughs> I always end up forgetting and be like, A, B, and oh, no, nope, I already skirted it up. <laughs> How did Buzz do that? <laughs> Uh, But now we're back with Kevin, and the pizza dude knocks that lawn jockey down again. This is the second time for him, and the third time overall in the movie. Third time, Yeah, that lawn jockey has seen better days, I am sure. Oh, yeah. Um, But we get to see that funny bit once again. This is the second time that uh, Kevin's done this with the audio from Angels with Filthy Filthy Souls. Um, Gets that uh, pizza guy to run off as soon as uh, Snake starts getting shot up, or Snake's doing the shooting. Yeah, Yeah, Snake's is doing the shooting. Snakes. Um, I don't know no snakes. But he gets that pizza, a lovely cheese pizza just for me. Mm. Uh, In Paris now, uh, and Kevin's mom is trying to get on a flight. Uh, She manages to trade with an old couple. Uh, Is that a real Rolex? No, but who can tell? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She's definitely super desperate, and she does convince them with all types of stuff to to do the switch. And you know what? Great. Uh, I would switch my uh, coach tickets for first class if it meant staying for 24 hours, maybe at the most. Yeah. When clearly they are retired, they don't have anything to get back to per se. Per se. Exactly. Um, Now back at the house, we get Kevin watching uh, Johnny Carson, former late night talk show host, if you don't know who he is. And he's headed to bed. Um, Kevin's feeling pretty sad, though, and he's looking at a family picture and he says, I didn't mean it. I'll never do anything bad again if you guys come back. Sad Kevin. How sweet. How sweet. (laughs) (laughs) The next morning we get the aftershave again, uh, and then we're headed to the grocery grocery store. That suspicious cat, easy for me to say, (laughs) suspicious cashier, um, the toy soldiers, uh, it's for the kids. For the kids. All that groceries, all those groceries cost $19.83, and that's about $45 today. Thank you, U.S. Inflation Calculator. That's crazy, because I knew it had to be more, especially with the Tide. Like, the Tide alone, I feel like, (laughs) is pretty close to his $19. Yes, exactly. Um, The cashier can't resist, though, and has to ask, um, are you here by yourself? I'm eight years old. I don't think so. (laughs) Where's your mom? In the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and your sisters? 
I'm an only child. He's got an answer for all of these, doesn't he? Seriously. Where do you live? I can't tell you that. Why not? <laughs> this is like a little foreshadowing for the second movie. <laughs> it is a little bit, because uh, you're a stranger. I love the way he says that. Stranger. stranger. With Kevin on his way home now, um, he manages to drop all the groceries. They come out the bottom of the bag. How did yeah, they do that? I, I, I th- we were saying it's got to be like some sort of zipline trick on the bottom of the bag. That's so the only real explanation. Strings on both sides, because, yeah, that was... A, we know it's a horrible pack job because we've got <laughs> the carton of orange juice with eggs, milk, and paper towels in the same bag, and then we've got laundry detergent to mix the food. <laughs> Come on. As a former grocery store employee, I'm yeah. sure that bugs the heck out oh, of you. Oh, <laughs> it really does every time. That is unacceptable. <laughs> uh, now Kevin's back at home, and he's doing laundry and conquering his fear of the furnace, and he just screams, shut up at it. Yep. Um, so I guess that furnace maybe is supposed to represent his growth as a character. I guess in a I, matter of hours. Yeah, so. I just I don't really understand the furnace's point. It's a little like story filler, so the story can happen, like yeah. you said before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marvin Harry are casing the McAllister's house again, and they say, "I don't get it. Last night the place was jumping. Go check it out." <laughs> and uh, Marv says, "Now." <laughs> no tomorrow egghead now <laughs> so marv walks up to the back door and checks things out kevin is inside doing dishes and he hears and sees marv um why would marv stick his foot through the doggy door why what is he testing for <laughs> <Just> <laughs> sticks it in there and jiggles it around yep um do the McAllisters even have a dog that is a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> they just put that in in case they want to get a dog. It must be boarded or something, or the dog recently died because there's no dog in this movie whatsoever. Right, right. Um, this is actually the instance where I'm pretty sure uh, Marv says in the movie. Yeah, and uh, I've never, I didn't even catch that when I watched it. I think the only reason that I even noticed it this time was because I was watching the movie on my computer while I was taking notes, and I had my headphones on and had it pretty loud, like one does with their headphones, yeah. has them overly loud all the time. Yeah. Um, and so I heard it at that point, and that's kind of surprising. Un- surprising, a very '90s thing to sneak that S word in there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> get our one S word in there. Yep. Get that one in there, and it was really quiet too. He whispers it. So yeah, and like. As, like we said, you can barely hear it. Right. Uh, Kevin hits his go-to and plays that uh, Angels with Filthy Souls VHS again, again, which was perfectly queued up. Yep. He just has it all set up, ready to go at Every any time. Yep, any point, any time, whenever he needs to <laughs> fool somebody, I guess. It does fool Marv, and he goes running back to the van as soon as those uh, shots start firing. And um, He gets to that van, and he says to Harry, somebody just got blown away. They beat us to the job, two of them. I thought I recognized one of their voices, and I know I heard one of their names before. Snakes. Snakes? I don't know no snakes. <laughs> well, he sounded like a snake. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but Kate has made it back stateside into Scranton. And yes, that's Scranton from The Office. That's Scranton. <laughs> the one you never knew existed yep. until The Office. And she's having about as much luck with this uh, ticket guy as she did in France. Everything is booked. There's nothing available whatsoever. So we get the Polka King of the Midwest. <laughs> Gus Polinski introduces himself. Oh, I love John Candy. Uh, you know, the Kenosha kickers. Polka, polka, polka. <laughs> polka, polka, polka. Polka, polka. Like Kiss that's going to click. Like, come on. Polka twist. <laughs> These are songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we sold 623 copies. 
in Chicago. <laughs> Sheboygan. <laughs> We're big in Sheboygan. We're big in Sheboygan. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say you can help me? <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah i got my buddy over there he's uh renting a box truck because our flight got canceled and we need to make it to milwaukee we can give you a ride to chicago you guys would do that she's super duper grateful that's super grateful yes. which brings us to a confusing thing that i never thought of till right now why would she not just be trying to rent a car the only explanation that i would even have for that is the ticket guy said that everything is booked right so he must be looking into rental places and everything but then why is she not getting in line for a box car right <laughs> if box cars are available right she should have at least maybe gotten in line that dude's just in line waiting to rent a vehicle also right so unless he was there first it should have been she snagged the box car and they needed to hitch a ride with her somehow or yeah you would think so you, but, but uh, uh, well maybe not <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, John Candy filmed all his scenes for this movie in one day. Um, Candy was a close friend of John Hughes. They had worked together on other movies like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Uncle Buck, and Uncle Buck. Uh, Candy's schedule was super full, though, so he only had 24 hours, basically, to do this. So That's everything crazy. was, And then everything was mostly improvised on Candy's part. Yeah. Um, gotta love John Candy. Gotta love John gotta Candy. Gotta love John Candy. That makes it even better, knowing that it was done in 24 hours. Yeah, for sure. Uh <laughs> Candy reportedly made less than the pizza boy for his cameo in Home Alone. That is a travesty. <laughs> that is a travesty. Like, the pizza guy is fine and all, but come on. John come Candy on. is great in this. Uh-huh. John Candy. We'll have to hit some John Candy films like Uncle Buck and Spaceballs. Definitely. You've never seen Spaceballs. I have Balls. never seen Spaceballs, but I've seen Uncle Buck. We are going to make both of those movies. Uh, is Uncle Buck kind of a Christmas movie, too? No, it just takes place like in winter. winter. Yeah, it's yeah. not a Christmas movie, though. But we definitely also have to do Planes, Trains, and Animals. Yeah, that's a great movie. Steve Martin. Got to love that Steve Martin. Yep. Uh, back at home with Kevin, Harry, and Marv, uh, uh, we get to see... Marv and Harry sitting in their van that Kevin knows what it is, yeah. like 40 feet from him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you look at it, though. Kevin's out there cutting the top off that Christmas tree. And uh, Harry says, we're getting scammed by Kindergartner. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin does get that tree inside, though, and he's decorating it. And from the reflection in one of the ornaments... He sees that Harry is peering in the side window. Dad? <laughs> Can you come help me? <laughs> and then Harry says to Marv outside, just still standing there, doesn't try to get out of the way or anything. Uh, remember that kid from the other day? He's home alone. He's home alone. <laughs> hey, he said the name of the movie. <laughs> I think it actually gets said before that also, but he's, he said it in the context of the movie more yeah. or less. Uh, then Marv and Harry discuss their plan very loudly and out in the open in yeah, Kevin's yeah. backyard. All he's got to do is pop the window open and he's got the inside track to the whole plan. Same thing with anybody else that happens to be in the neighborhood. Right. <laughs> he literally says, we'll come back at nine o'clock when it's dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kids are afraid of the dark. So are you, Marv. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah. Not, not, not. I was just, it was just that one time. Some very dumb and dumber feels with that one. Oh, yeah, definitely. Not, not, not. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. Can't triple stamp a double stamp. Can't triple stamp a double stamp. And the same, I've, I'm surprised I haven't done it yet, but I was waiting for me to say Harry and Lloyd at some point oh, in this. Yeah. I've been trying really hard. Harry and Marv. Harry and Marv. Harry and Harry Marv. And Marv. 
Um, but now we're on the road with the Kenosha Kickers, and they're playing that polka music in the back of the box truck. And uh, uh, Candy looks at Kate and says, do you play? And tries to get her to play his clarinet. Which is so <laughs> baffling to me. Absolutely I mean, baffling. You don't just give someone your clarinet and say, give it a whirl. Like, that doesn't work that way with Especially that. Especially since it's full of your spit. Full of your spit. <laughs> like, it's literally one, full of your spit. It's one thing to trust all you guys that are not so famous and go halfway across the country, but <laughs> I'm not going to take your saliva. In no, no, thank you. She should have said, well, you want to just make out then? Yeah. <laughs> Get that clarinet out of here. Get that thing out of my face. <laughs> Uh, Kevin gets to meet Santa Claus, though, but he knows the deal. Uh, he just The dude just works for yeah, Santa. He, I'm old enough to know how it works. <laughs> yeah, you just work for Santa. Uh, so he wants the, the dude to t- please tell Santa, I just want my family back this year. And the dude's like, oh, okay, I'll see what I can do. Like, what happened to your family, kid? Yeah, you don't <laughs> think maybe you ask a few questions on maybe that situation? A, maybe a couple of questions. A, a follow-up might be good. But clearly, <laughs> this is you know just one of Santa's helpers who cares yeah. more about his after party. So Hold out your little paw there. You got to get something <laughs> from Santa. A couple Tic Tacs. <laughs> don't spoil your dinner. I won't. <laughs> And then Kevin's somber walk home because he's definitely uh, feeling sad about not having his parents around, especially after he passes that house where that huge family's having what looks like a pretty awesome Christmas. Yep. He really, Kevin really misses his family. Oh, man, I bet there's cheese pizza in there. <laughs> <laughs> One could only hope. Um, you know, uh, Kevin then heads to church, I guess, That church and the store, the shop and the grocery store are all within walking distance. Apparently. And they're all on his way home. Every one of them on his way home. Uh, Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Uh, Kevin's in there and old man Marley approaches him. And Kevin soon finds out that he doesn't need to be afraid of old man Marley anymore. Um, Good thing, too, because who else is going to save Kevin later in the movie? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, they each talk about their complicated relationships with their family. Um, Marley is estranged from his uh, son and granddaughter, and Kevin has a really hard time relating to the rest of his family. Yeah. So, you know, they kind of have a shared bond in that instance. Uh, Marley assures Kevin that his family still loves him, and Kevin encourages Marley to contact his son. Um, old man Marley wants to know, um, what if he won't talk to me? And Kevin says, well... At least you'll know, you'll know then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Words of wisdom from the eight-year-old. Exactly. And now the movie really starts to get moving. Oh, yeah. Uh, the church bell tolls nine times and Kevin heads home. This is my house. I have to defend it. Yep. <laughs> it's dun, a great dun, line. Dun, 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 dun. Great line. Oh, the music. Oh, the music. It's so, so good. So good. It's so good. So good. It's time for him to set up those traps. Uh, he even had time to make a giant battle plan. He yeah. rolls out that giant map. Huge, <laughs> yep. huge battle plan ready to go. Um, the micro machines, which is foreshadowed at the very beginning of the movie. You got to clean up those micro machines, Kevin. Otherwise, somebody's going to break their neck. Yep. Um, he's icing up those steps. The hot coil on the doorknob, which that's a grill starter, right? Like you put that in your grill coals. Yeah. To st- okay, that's a grill starter. Uh, the tar and the nail on the basement steps. And the rope to the treehouse, which isn't uh, immediately obvious why he's stringing a rope to the treehouse. Yeah. Some really good forethought on his point, I yes. guess. Um, 
speaking of that treehouse, Kevin's Backyard Treehouse was not originally part of the property. Really? It was constructed specifically for the movie and demolished once the film was over. Oh, crazy. So I think even the tree is fake. I don't think they put a real oh, treehouse sure, sure. in the tree, in a tree. Uh, we get that tar and feather trap. Well, it's like industrial glue and feather, but it's a tar and feather thing. You know? Yeah. Uh, the ornaments on the floor, which were made of candy, made of sugar. Oh, So okay. they're not real ornaments. Sure. So... Uh, Marv doesn't actually cut his feet up on those. Well, <laughs> yeah. I should say Daniel Stern doesn't actually cut up his feet on those. Yeah. Uh, paint cans for the stairs and one scurrying tarantula. Dinner is ready and it's 8.57. He did all that in 57 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Very believable. Very believable. I was literally thinking while he was doing it on one of my watch throughs, I wonder how long it's going to take him to do this. And then when he's pulling the food out of the microwave, yeah. it says 8.57. 8:57. I'm like, oh. All right. <laughs> and then he sits down to eat that meal, and three minutes later, ding, <laughs> nine o'clock. That was a waste of a meal. Yep. Uh, Marv and Harry arrive at nine sharp. Let the action begin. It's definitely an iconic series of events, and it's absolutely incredible. Um, and I never, ever once fast-forwarded to the end of this movie just to watch this part. Oh, no. <laughs> Except for a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> I loved watching that part as a kid. It, I literally would, if I had like 20 minutes, fast-forward all the way to the yep. end and just watch that part. Um, so it starts off right, though. The whole series of events starts off right with the BB gun uh, shot to the nuts and then to the forehead. <laughs> yep. uh, interestingly enough, with that BB gun scene... That BB that hits Marv in the forehead is hand-drawn animation on the individual cells of film. That's crazy. Yeah. They paid a dude living in his mother's basement in Chicago $600 to hand-paint a BB going into Marv's forehead. That's hilarious. <laughs> so that was an animated effect, and the guy with a paintbrush in a basement for six frames hand-painted a BB. Lucky guy. Easy 600 bucks Lucky in 1990, guy. I guess. I like how the first time Marv dips his foot in there, mm -hmm. and then the second time he just peeks. He doesn't lift the <laughs> no. flap uh -huh. to look through. He just puts his head through. Just puts his whole head right in there. <laughs> You'd have to. I mean, they haven't heard a dog barking, but they've got a dog door. You probably don't want to stick your head in the dog's dog door. It might yeah. bite your face off. <laughs> Especially, you know, the dog isn't in Paris, so exactly. if anything, it's there protecting the house. But whatever. <laughs> well, at this point, after uh, both of them getting shot, um, Harry and Marv split up. Harry to the front door, and Marv to the basement. Uh, they both bite it pretty hard on their individual steps. Yes. Um, Harry got it worse, though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That uh, stunt double had to just, yikes. Yikes. That uh, that was no, that was like a, that was the actual stunt. That dude did that yeah. onto a cement uh, sidewalk. Ugh. It's actually, I guess, got a, it's when you do something like that in a movie now where you like throw yourself really high and back without any padding, it's called home aloneing it in the, oh stunt, my gosh. In the stunt world, That's I guess. Awesome. So. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, Harry falls again down the steps. Way to go, Harry. Way to go, Harry. Uh, Marv, after using the crowbar to find out, uh, to try to get into the door, he finds out that the basement door is actually unlocked. Uh, I love that. I absolutely <laughs> love that. So he just walks right in, and he's looking for a light. He pulls what he thinks is a cord for a light, and he takes that iron to the face. To the face. <laughs> to the face. Um, I never quite understood why it left such a red imprint. Like, it would leave a red imprint, but not a lasting imprint as long, unless it was on. Unless it was on. Was it plugged in? <sighs> Knowing Kevin, I feel like it was. Dang. 
Dang. Dang, Kevin. <laughs> Dang, Kevin. brutal, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, after falling a couple of times, Harry does make it to the front door, but he severely burns his hand. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> severely burns his hand. Um, that's kind of, I wonder if that's an homage to uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, because there's an amulet in Raiders of the Lost Ark where a Nazi soldier burns his hand severely on it, and I think it might even be the same hand, and leaves an interesting hand uh, print on the dude's sure. hand. So maybe an homage the Raiders it could be I don't know that's what it reminded me of at least um, now we see Marv making it up the tar covered stairs uh, losing his shoes again and then stepping directly onto a nail Ugh. this scene makes me cringe every, every time. time every single Ugh, time my goodness that is my goodness <laughs> <laughs> But uh, back at the front, oh no, Harry has made his way now around to the back of the house, yep. and he just kind of lets himself in a little bit, and he gets fried for the second time. <laughs> Brutal. Oh! Brutal. Just stands and takes it. That's the best part of that. So did you wonder at all how they actually accomplished this shot? I do wonder that. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying well, to picture it in my head. Luckily, I have some great information for you. Nice, nice. <laughs> so according to the AV Club, they used like an old magician's trick. Uh, they, the fire was actually blown onto a dummy head that was painted black. The camera was pointed at a piece of glass placed at a 45-degree angle. So when Joe Pesci walked in and hit a very specific mark on set, he blocked out the reflection of the dummy head, leaving the flame visible and appearing to singe his scalp. Nice. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, that's I, super cool. I just always assume that he had some sort of like protective hat on yeah. or something because it's very believable. I don't – I mean – you can't tell that it's some sort of odd camera trick. No, not you at all. You can't tell one bit. And even watching it on Blu-ray, it still looks really, really good. Yeah. There's one thing that doesn't look really good in Blu-ray. Um, whenever Marv is outside after he loses his shoes, he has giant prosthetic feet on his actual feet. So he's not actually walking out yep. there barefoot. Yeah, so you can see the Ugh, skin tone yeah. difference. And yep. the fact that you can almost see a cuff and that they look too large for his body <laughs> yeah, yeah it looks very weird and does not hold up very well on vhs sure probably you, you can't tell yep. at all even maybe even on the big screen you wouldn't even be able to tell right but blu-ray you can definitely tell you can <laughs> tell uh marv does head back outside and slips and falls uh and harry bum rushes the back door and breaks in that's funny when marv falls again once he's trying to go out the back uh, the basement door yeah whoop <laughs> And that crowbar obviously hit him right in the head. Obviously. Uh, Marv, like I or Harry, like I said, busts in. He just bum rushes that back door and busts in there. Where are you, you little creep? <laughs> uh, at this point, Marv sees the uh, side window is open and screams super loudly, uh, Harry, I'm coming in. <laughs> okay. Uh, he does go in and, like I said, steps on those uh, ornaments. Uh, his poor feet. Like, if his those were actual, man, a nail to one foot, now you're stepping on glass ornaments. Ugh. Thankfully, they're actually sugar. Thankfully, but, they're uh, sugar. Uh, Kevin does lure Harry into the dining room. Oh, I'm really scared. And then Harry says, it's too late for you, kid. We're already in the house. We're going to get you. Okay, okay, come and get me. <laughs> <laughs> and glue and feathers to the face. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, though, Harry and Marv are both in the house, and they see each other. Uh, what is, how's it go? He goes, Marv? Harry? Where the hell are your shoes? 
uh, why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? Yeah. <laughs> some, some very funny that's a, lines. That's a good comeback. It's yeah. a very, some very funny lines. I'm up here, morons. Come and get me. And attacking the micro machines. There we go. <laughs> that looked like it hurt. Yes. <laughs> Do you think, uh, did you own micro machines? I didn't. I owned quite a few of them. That one hit me right in the sweet spot as probably an eight, nine year old. Um, they were a terror in the carpet, just about as bad as stepping on a Lego in the dark. It, you know, oh, I'm they, sure. they were a terror. Um, so after that, uh, Kevin's sitting at the top of the stairs. You guys give up or are you thirsty for more? So they're like, well, obviously we're thirsty for more. Obviously. <laughs> Clearly. Can, can we maybe take some paint cans to the face? Yeah, please. <laughs> One at a time. And definitely you can take yeah. some paint cans to the yeah. face. And they land on top of each other. And as uh, Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci, that's got to be an awkward scene to oh, film. Definitely. Just laying on top of each other like... I get it, you're actors. You got to do goofy stuff, but that's just got to be uncomfortable. Oh, I'm sure it was. Uh, you're missing some teeth. <laughs> my gold tooth. Uh, at this point, though, Kevin's upstairs and he calls the police. Help, my house is being robbed. My house is 656 Lincoln Boulevard. My name is Murphy. Why, why not tell the truth? Why not tell the truth? And there's been so many chances at this point where he could be safe and away from this whole situation. Yeah. He, at walk past that house with the family. Yep. He could have just went in and explained the situation. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, nah, I want to get these sons of... Sons of guns. Sons of guns. Sons of guns. <laughs> uh so now after he made that phone call, he's going to be running. He's heading to the attic to escape to the treehouse. But uh, Harry and Lo- uh, well, I did it. Harry there and it Lloyd, is. I did it. Uh, Harry and Marv are heading up the stairs and uh, Harry hit that tripwire. Marv leaps over uh, Harry uh, for Kevin, grabbing him by the ankle. And luckily for that, uh, luckily for Kevin, that tarantula is there to uh, rescue him. Thank you, Buzz. <laughs> and he places that thing right on Marv's face. That is absolutely hideous. Yeah. Oh, God. I am not a spider fan. Like, no. I, I can deal with them, but uh, I would rather not. Yeah, I have to deal with them. Florence uh, terrified of them. I'm but a, yes, I'm I agree. Thing. I would rather not. I will uh, come home from work after Kristen having been home on uh, all day on a Saturday, and she'll be like, there is a spider in my bathroom. I'm like, okay. It's still in there. The door's <laughs> shut. Uh, okay. I guess I'll go take care of that. <laughs> Uh, boy, but, uh, so he gets that spider right on his face. Uh, Daniel Stern agreed to let a real tarantula crawl across his face. So he could get the scream accurate. <laughs> well, that's interesting though. Um, he agreed to do it as long as they did it in one take. Um, the screen actually had, the scream actually had to be dubbed in. Oh, okay. So, uh, he didn't want to spook the spider. Right. I kind of wondered that watching it. Right. But... So the scream is dubbed in. It's pretty convincing, and that's a really good uh, blood-curdling scream. Dan- oh. Daniel Stern should do that more often. Yeah. The scream from Marv, and he knocks the spider off onto Harry as Kevin escapes into the treehouse. Marv then kills Harry by striking him in the chest with a crowbar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Movie over. For, for real, though. Yeah. Like he, he hits him so hard right <laughs> in the ribcage. Doesn't he jump when he does it, too? Like He jumps oh, and yeah, slams he puts that everything thing down. Into it. Everything into it. That probably would have killed him. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, with uh, Kevin now escaping into the treehouse, uh, he takes those handlebars and he rides that rope all the way to the treehouse. This stunt looks terrible. Oh, yeah. It just looks terrible. Look... Uh, you can definitely tell it's a stunt double. I wouldn't expect 
uh, an eight-year-old uh, Macaulay Culkin to actually do this. Yeah. But uh, the stunt double was not a good stunt double. I didn't like that at all. It's just does not uh, does not work very well in the film no. for me. He should have just escaped some other way. Right. I just didn't like that bit at all. Um, Marv and Harry are now up there, and uh, instead of going back through the house and getting all torn up by the traps, they decide it's a good idea to follow Kevin and climb this 30, 40 feet of rope, 25 feet off the ground. Knowing that's not how he got over there. Right. And, of course, Kevin's going to cut the rope. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) You have been charred and feathered and stepped on nails and all this stuff, and you do not see that coming? Right. Uh, They fall terribly to the ground. I kind of thought about the fact, like, two... 200-pound-plus men hanging on that rope, like, the tension on it probably would have, like, made that rope, like, snap back and hit Kevin in the face and probably kill him also. (laughs) (laughs) All three of them are done. Just dead right there. Yeah. They fall to the ground, and Kevin escapes to the Murphys. Uh, I like both of their reactions when they're on the ground. It looks like a pretty legitimate fall that they took. Obviously, it wasn't from the height that they did, but they fell back into the snow, and I like the the natural way that they both fell with their arms everywhere. And I like that a lot. That was really believable, and I enjoyed that part of the movie. So Kevin at the Murphy's, he makes his way now through the now-flooded basement and uh, heads up the stairs, uh, only to be met by Marv and Harry. Hiya, pal. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to do exactly to him what he did to us. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) But old man Marley to the rescue. (laughs) Thankfully. So he smacks them both in the head with the shovel. Um, Have you heard the the thing about how Joe Pesci actually bit? Uh, uh, Macaulay Culkin's finger and he has a scar from it apparently uh-uh. yeah apparently Joe Pesci actually bit uh, uh, Kevin Mc- I want to say Kevin McAllister I can't get Macaulay Culkin and Kevin McAllister at the same time yeah. he actually bit him so that's kind of funny right? that's kind of crazy he's got a scar to this day apparently um, and all Marley says to him is uh, come on let's get you home that's yeah. it yeah. that's it yeah. that's it so uh, Marvin Harry get arrested um, nice move. Always leaving the water running. We know each and every one of the houses you hit. Yeah, morons. <laughs> yeah, morons. <laughs> uh, Kevin's watching through the window and gives Harry and Marv a little wave goodbye. See you later, guys. But we get to see Kate with the Kenosha Kickers again, and Kate still thinks she's uh, been a pretty bad parent leaving Kevin behind. Uh, Gus does try to make her feel better with that uh, story about leaving his son at a funeral party. Oh, my gosh. That was hilarious. He was okay. But after about six or seven weeks, he started talking again. (laughs) I just laugh so hard every time I hear that. Yeah. And then Kate's like, okay, enough with the stories. That's not helping. That is not helping. Well, you brought it up. (laughs) I mean, you brought it up. Oh, man. But now it's the next day and it's Christmas Day. Uh, this whole scene was filmed on the second day of production. Oh, wow. Yeah, because they actually had some real snow. Oh, So nice. they're like, we got to take advantage of this. Let's take, let's do all this stuff and let's take care of it. They actually used, uh, they actually called it the money shot of the film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so they jumped at the chance and uh, they actually used potato flakes to make the natural flurries look actually like a little bit more like puffy and better for the screen sure uh one problem with that though all that uh potato that was all over the ground proceeded to rot the rest of the production and smell pretty badly oh geez so that's kind of cool though the second uh, one of those things where you got to take advantage of nature's uh conditions i guess and uh, right 
Uh, get that real snow because that looks like legitimate snow. There's other parts in the movie where you can tell that he's walking on like chopped up ice. The snow doesn't look realistic at all. It's just you can tell it's from a snow machine. Right. Um, Kevin runs downstairs uh, to uh, hopefully see his mom is home. And mom? No. 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 Not quite yet. But there she is. Kate makes it home for a tearful reunion with Kevin minutes before the rest of the family makes it yeah, home. Come on. <laughs> That's almost insult to injury, right? Definitely. <laughs> and then Buzz, hey, Kev, it's pretty cool you didn't burn the place down. How did you guys make it home? We took the morning flight, the one you didn't want to take. Yeah. You'd <laughs> rather go with the Kenosha. <laughs> the Kenosha kickers. Yeah. <laughs> And even old man Marley has a nice reunion with his family. So he did make that phone call. Good nice. for him. Good for him, Marley. Um, you know, Hughes didn't allow for a lot of improvisation or tweaks to his scripts. Um, Columbus is actually the one that added the scene at the very end of the movie that sees Marley reunited with his granddaughter and son. Uh, Columbus told Insider, that's probably my proudest addition to the movie. The director also added the conversation with Kevin and Marley in the church. The church scene was there, but there was no conversation. Oh, so wow. Those are some pretty pivotal points in the movie. Uh, yeah. Right? And like all to, the heart, like you said. Basically. All the heart, right. <laughs> uh, does John Hughes not have a heart? <laughs> That's all the heart right there. Um, but yeah. And then we get to, Kevin, Kevin, what did you do to my room? <laughs> and roll credits. Roll credits. For real this time. And then one more good Christmas song again. Yep. One more great Christmas song. Gotta love that movie. Oh, I absolutely. So I mean, it's a Christmas classic. The way our parents may view, like, uh, uh, Miracle on 34th Street or one of those movies of that time, this is how I view Home Alone. Oh, yeah. It's just 100%. classic Christmas. I can't wait to watch it every year. And I seem to watch it earlier and earlier every year. Yeah. Uh, November 1st, we watched it. I mean, not only for the podcast, but we watched it. Like, right, right. We're watching Home Alone now. I'm planning on watching it more after this also. Um, what did you think of it, Trav? What does this movie make you feel like after you watch it? <sighs> makes me feel like a kid again. Makes me miss Christmas, look forward to Christmas. I just love this movie. Um I'm glad that you like Home Alone as much as I do, because I feel like I picked to do these this year oh, for Christmas. I think it's a great pick. So ahead of time for next year, I'm giving you the reins to pick Ooh. our Christmas episodes. Exciting. I'll start thinking about it now. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, um, knowing you love this movie so much, what are your final opinions? Um, You know... I just, I'm just happy that this movie is a part of my life, and I think it's about as good of a Christmas movie as you can get. Um, John Hughes is a star in my mind, and I love everything he produces. Mm -hmm. And I just, I can't want, I can't wait to watch this movie again. It's just super great, and it just, you know, makes me think of all those times that I watched it as a kid. Made me think of. All the Christmases that I had growing up, especially some of those toys that you see uh, Marvin Harry playing with. Yeah. The Porsche that he has where with the cord attached to it, too. I didn't have that, but I had similar I had things. Like that. Yeah, I right. had similar things like that. And, um, Everybody just, wanted the, well, that's from the second one. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah, man. Um, absolutely love it. Um Maybe we should even talk about this movie almost every year. You know, I yeah, mean, it would right. be worth it. It would be worth it. Seriously. 
Um, I guess with that stuff out of the way, I don't really have anything else that I want to talk about with Home Alone 2. Do you have anything else that you want to add? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Well, let's talk about that homework assignment. Let's do it. Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2. Didn't see that one coming, <laughs> did you? This one was released November 20th, 1992. Had a budget of $28 million. That's $28 million. 28. Um, box office of $359 million worldwide. That's $759 million today. Holy Thank cow. Thank you, U.S. Inflation Calculator. It was the fourth highest grossing domestic film of 1992, according to Box Office Mojo. And that was directly behind... Batman Returns, Boom. Lethal Weapon 3, and Sister Act. Nice. We should do Sister Act sometime. Yeah. I'm actually a secret big time fan of that movie. I have seen it, but it's been a long time. You know, Whoopi Goldberg actually has some pretty decent 80s movies. They're mm -hmm. always so unique and odd. Uh, like Jumping Jack Flash, that'd be a cool one. That one's got a lot of examples of like early internet in it. Like she's putting phones on modems and stuff like sure. that. I like that one a lot. We should get to that one someday. This one directed by Christopher Columbus again, and he was the uh, writer for Gremlins in 1984. Adventures in Babysitting was his directorial debut in 1987. That's one we'll definitely have to get to. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire he directed in 1993. And Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone he directed in 2001. Yeah, the first uh, three we are getting all this. Oh, yes. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, and, of course, this movie, Home Alone 2, was written and produced by John Hughes, starring Macaulay Culkin, Catherine O'Hare, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, John Hurd, and Tim Curry. Uh, Tim Curry uh, got his big break with the Rocky Horror Picture Show with the original stage production in 73 and then the motion picture in 75. Are you aware of Rocky Horror Picture Show? Have you witnessed it? Have you gone to a movie? I've never, like, went and watched a production of that, and I haven't seen the movie, but I know what it is. Yeah. Um, occasionally, the downtown theater here in town, the Dollar Theater, will play it on midnight. I think they used to play it on midnight on Halloween. Um, it's a great, raucous time if you can ever make it to it. It's a fun. It's a fun movie. It's super lewd, super out there, super awesome rock musical. Like yeah. It's a very unique thing onto itself. I love Tim Curry. So. Yes, yes. He was also in Legend in 1985, and he played the devil in Legend. Clue in 1985, Loaded Weapon 1 in 1993, and It in 1990, which is the Stephen King miniseries on television. There's some more that we might have to look into. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Clue for sure. I brought that one up before. Yes, Clue for sure. Uh, Brenda Fricker, who was the bird lady in Home Alone 2, she is most famous for, besides Home Alone 2, <laughs> is My Left Foot in 1989. Uh, she won a multitude of awards for her performance in this movie, in that movie, including an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the guy that's in it. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is in it. It's about a man that has cerebral palsy that only has control of his left foot. Hmm. So that's why it's called My Left Foot, and he goes on to be super successful. He's a really smart guy. I don't really know all of the story about it. It was a real dude based on a real story. Hmm. Probably worth watching. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis is always a, a good actor to watch. Mm -hmm. Always a good movie. I guess with that all out of the way, do you have anything else you want to talk about with Home Alone 2? Which one do you like better? Home Alone 1. I've seen okay. it a million times more than Home Alone 2. Really? Yeah, 1992, I was 10. Nope, not 10. I was 8 in 1992. Um, 
I don't know why I didn't see it more honestly thinking about it. I should have probably seen it more. I think after we watch it, you're going to be like, man, I should have watched this one more. Yeah, I've definitely seen it. I definitely think it's a good movie, but I prefer Home Alone 1. Sure. Maybe my opinion will change. Maybe. But yeah, number two is my favorite one. I think the pranks are stepped up a notch. Good. And both of them work for this, but these are definitely the Christmas movies that you can watch at any time in the year. Yeah, absolutely. I can watch it in June and it's still hilarious. Absolutely. But yeah, uh, let's move into the emails. Yes, please. Emails. Starting off today, we got one from, well, this is a big one, so I'm going to read it and then we're going to dissect it after. When did we get this email? We got this email five days ago. Oh, okay. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. From Grumpy Old Man. So he says, just some points about the TMNT review. Domino's is still quite popular and not just because it's close. (laughs) (laughs) Critters is a great movie. Yeah, it's 80s cheese, but this was a review about TMNT. (laughs) Okay, sorry. (laughs) In the original series, Vulcans have green blood, but in Star Trek V, when Gorkin's security are shot, they bleed purple blood. But in the J.J. Abrams Into Darkness, Spock bleeds green again. So that says to me that Vulcan's blood is green and Star Trek V was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. And then he says, Frank Walker is an amazing voice actor. Freddie Jones, Scooby-Doo, Megatron, the list goes on. Basically, if you've watched a cartoon in the last 30 years, you've probably heard of him. And lastly, I love Dr. Honeydew and Beaker, or Waldorf and Statler. And but the best is of course Sam the Eagle. Now get off my lawn, grumpy old man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, grumpy old man. So the first point of this, Domino's is still quite popular, not just because it's close. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Drew and I had to say uh, about that. Popular maybe, but good Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean popular because it exists okay sure <laughs> and then critters is a movie i have not seen so that we'll might get be to one it. we have to get to eventually there's one scene <clears throat> in that movie that really sticks out to me uh watching it with my parents probably too young to watch it i would guess since it was 86 um in one of the scenes a dude is like feeding a whole bunch of cats and he takes like the spoon and the wet cat food and just eats a huge spoonful of it yeah and it stuck with me my whole life and i remember looking at my dad and being like do people really eat cat food? Yeah. And he's like, I mean, if you got nothing else. Yikes. And I was like, okay. All right. All right, Tom. <laughs> we have we have food, right, Dad? <laughs> we got food, right? <laughs> and then this next part I just think is funny because I'm like, whoa, someone's trying to talk smack to Drew about Star Trek? But yeah, <laughs> so apparently well, we got to work on our Star Trek facts here. <laughs> but with the Frank Welker part, so he says Megatron, isn't that the same guy that does Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? I'm not sure on that. I would I would say you're probably right I if that's a fact that you so think you know. If we're thinking the movies that made us with Home Alone, they did the toys that made us. Yep. And I swear they had the voice actors for the Transformers on there. So I think I think that was him. And if that's the case, then yes, I do know him. I, <laughs> I have heard of him exactly. in the last 30 years. And then these last ones, I'm assuming, are Muppets because I know yep. Beaker. Yep. But yep. the other ones are, I'm drawing a blank, but Dr. Honeydew and Beaker or Waldorf and Statler. Is Waldorf and Statler the opera guys? Yes. Okay. They are obvi- the guys up in the box. Obviously. Yep. Obviously. And then Sam the Eagle. 
So Sam the Eagle uh, was uh, kind of like maybe Henson's way to make fun of the U.S. government. He was always like big time pro government type of guy. So oh, okay. okay. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 that's what I always seem to remember from Sam the Eagle, at least. For some reason, I don't remember him. Um, but thank you for that email. That was a great email. Very good. Thank you. That. So our next one is from Jack's been gone all night. Wants to know. Now that you did another Tim Burton movie, can we expect anything else Burton on the horizon? Uh, yes. Um, we'll probably end up doing uh, Mars Attacks fairly soon, but yeah. uh, I think we should probably do a Burton break after that. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably, as much as we love Burton. I absolutely love Tim Burton, but uh, we might be in a little bit of a Burton break after yeah, that Yeah, Burton one. break. So Burton if you break. send in a topic idea that involves Burton... Like Mars Attacks with our buddy, um, we will get to it. But otherwise, yes, probably a Burton break. Burton break. Uh, next email comes from Hubba Bubba wants to know, were you a big gum chewer as a kid? And if so, what was your go-to gum? Uh, yeah, uh, definitely a big time gum chewer. Um, uh, it was always the Trident cinnamon because that's what uh, my mom had. Oh, Drew. <laughs> Drew, in your similarities with me, because I had exactly what I put, Trident, and the cinnamon one is exactly what I was thinking. That's hilarious. Like, yeah, you had your bazooka, but it was crap. You yep. had your zebra gum, crap. <laughs> 60, fruit strike, 60 blah, seconds, blah, blah, blah. yeah. So, and then, you know, you got your juicy fruit, big red, double mint, pretty much crap. I mean, they don't last very long. Like, they taste good, but don't last very long. Agreed. And then, of course, hubba bubba. But that's, you know. That's only for bubbles. If we're talking about <laughs> sophisticated gum <laughs> chewing, <laughs> we're talking about the cinnamon trident. Cinnamon trident. Plus, I mean, in high school, that was easy way to talk to some of the pretty girls. Oh, yeah. And, oh, you need a piece of trident? I got the hook. I got you hooked up. Then they start expecting it. And then, oh, you know, oh, no trident today. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, first taste is free. The first taste is free. <laughs> Yo. So for our last one here, so I did this last episode. I think I might keep doing it. So I'm going to have just a question for Drew that All we're right. both going to answer that is going to be an email. So my question to Drew this one is, what is your favorite prank and or Marv scream from Home Alone that we just did? Well, my favorite Marv scream is the nail step on scream that uh, Marv gives uh, the agony in Daniel Stern's face is realistic. It very realistic. Matches what you would expect. <laughs> yes. And then the tumble backwards down the stairs. Yeah. Um, I don't know why he didn't try to make it up those stairs maybe a second time. He knows where the nail is now. Yeah. But hey, whatever. That's probably my favorite one. And then I, it's not really a scream, but uh, when uh, Harry gets shot in the balls and he is doing his best, like, Looney Tunes swearing. Yeah. I like that part. Yeah, I like that part. Which in the to or movies that made us that we mentioned, they talk about how he basically made up his own language yep. for that movie because he swears so much. Yep. Um, but yeah, I put best prank. I put the Christmas ornaments on the bare feet Ooh. after he's already stuck to just, I'm going to kill that kid. I love that. <laughs> and then the best scream is the spider scream. Uh, the the yeah. high pitched yep. spider scream yep. for sure. Um, but that wraps up our emails for this episode. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode because we did. Uh, email us at overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail.com with some topic ideas or anything you want us to read on here. Check us out on Twitter at Overdue Homework and Instagram at Overdue Homework Podcast. 
And as always, don't forget to tune in to the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast. <laughs>